0: I'm Q. I'm Jewish Dave. And this is a Bird Road crossover episode with Red Tide Radio. You better say it completely perfect, Dave. This is a
1: Bird Road crossover episode with Red Tide Radio. I said it all perfect. Let's go.
0: And so we're joined and kind of tag teaming on this episode with some good friends of ours. We got Jerry and Thomas from Red Tide Radio. I want we're gonna have them talk a little bit about that show. You should go subscribe to it. It's on SoundCloud. I don't know if, what, where else they can uh, they can find it. But we're gonna try something a little bit different um, today. We're gonna do a little. Dave, you convinced me into like getting out of my shell a little bit, and uh, you know, trying to get other podcasters, other folks who are of like mind, um, to you know, also team up and, and talk about some of the same shit that we talk about. So. Jerry Thomas, welcome.
2: Thank you for having us. We're to o- be here.
0: And you got to welcome me onto Red Tide Radio. Technically, I think. Oh
2: yes. <laughs> it's true. Thank,
3: thank. Um, so to uh, David and Dave, thank you so much you- also for coming on to uh, Red Tide Radio and and Another. rolling with the tide. Happy
0: yeah. to be here. Do you guys have like a a, a read in like we do? Do you guys? I mean, I've heard. I've heard. It sounds like pretty. You guys jump right into your interviews when I listen yeah. to it, Usually. Yeah.
3: So sometimes we um, ask of for right the
2: status of, of New York politics from, from Gerald, how oh, yeah. how Cuomo's doing. Um, by the way, Q, I'm just gonna call you Q throughout this whole uh, inter interview to to add to the mystique. But I just, I just want to note um, <laughs> that instead of finding like-minded podcasters and YouTubers, how about we just like find some that we can feud with? Because that's that, that seems. That seems yeah, that's to be, like, the, the way to generate clicks these days on on the social media. We just have to find a YouTuber and a podcaster and just feud about, like, narrow strategic dis- disagreements in a campaign and then just go
0: with it. Right. Who would be in your crosshairs? Who would be your first, your, your number one? Uh, the Would it be? Would yeah. you go big? Would you go with the Pod Save America guys? Or would you try to, like, be on, like, a more... No, I would go with Jimmy
2: Dore because he gets, like, really mad. And then, you know, like, he he would just create, like, a ton (laughs) of content about how, like, Red Tide Radio are, like, DNC, CIA, like, hacks, shills, which, you know, like, caught red-handed. And then, you know, we we would just go (laughs) back and forth and we would just grow, like, you know, the –
4: Nice. yeah door's
0: a great one to go after because he's like a, a real content uh content trove like uh he, he gives you a lot to work with and he's got a very motivated fan base and, and, and he is um,
2: determined
0: and <laughs> obsessive. <laughs> yeah he'll 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 he'll, he'll file you away and um you know somebody who's been on uh, speaking as or to somebody who's been on enemies lists of very powerful people um i would imagine you have no problem with that you could probably jump all over you could probably deal with any any Jimmy Dore guys. I mean, the, there's not that many of them out here in Florida. You deal with DeSantis' people all the time. I
2: mean, they're all online, so it doesn't matter. They don't they don't exist in real life. But um, yeah, they're not real they people. online though, like they're they're pretty vicious.
0: Why don't you guys? Uh, why don't we handle the housekeeping really quick? And um, where can people, apart from SoundCloud, wh- where else should they be following you guys and learning more?
2: Uh, I would say YouTube we're on like SoundCloud and YouTube and then I guess you could follow our our um individual accounts um Tomas Kent T-O-M-A-S-K-E-N-N on Twitter and Instagram and Gerald I don't know if you want to um
3: yeah we're, we're putting more emphasis on YouTube um you know I think it's a a bigger platform um I think it's it's you know like you were alluding to before, all the Twitter vegans seem to love beef, and you know they're all on YouTube as well. So, um, yeah, um, I don't. You know, I'm not a reliable poster of like political thought. I haven't really switched up my social media engagement since I first got it in 2007, which is basically like. All right, work's done. Time to hang out with my it's friends. It's fine. Nothing um, has changed. But, it's, it's pretty
0: much the same thing. Yeah.
3: All right. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Tostone Soprano. And on uh, Instagram, I'm at Poppy Seed Bagel, P-A-P-I
0: Seed Bagel. I'm super pissed off about losing <laughs> that uh, Twitter handle to you, by the way. That was, a, that was r- To, Tostone, a, to yeah. a damn Yankee Damn Yankee, Q. man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dave, where can people find us? I have actually no idea where to find us.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I was about to say the exact same thing, but birdroadpodcast.com has all the links, so check it out You can there.
0: also find us on Twitter, at birdroadpodcast, Instagram, at birdroadpodcast, okay. and all that fun good. stuff. Before we jump into our topics today, I wanted to get the folks on the on the line to weigh in on really sad news uh, that we just got, I believe, yesterday. Uh, we're, we're saying, unfortunately, goodbye to one of the few good ones, Mike Gravel, former Alaska senator from... Um, uh I believe all through the 80s and 90s and the beginning of the 2000s he he was a very long-term senator he uh you know he had a very uh famous run for uh, the Demo- in the democratic primary where he did not earn many votes but he did earn a lot of hearts with um some pretty tough truths that he spoke on the debate stage
4: at a forum earlier this year I want to get this right you said it doesn't matter whether you are elected president or not so then Why are you here tonight? Shouldn't debates be for candidates who are in the race to win the race? Ryan, you're right. I made that statement. But that's before I had a chance to stand with them a couple, three times. It's like going into the Senate. You know, the first time you get there, you're all excited. My God, how did I ever get here? Then about six months later, you say, how the hell did the rest of them get here? (laughs) And and I got to tell you, after standing up with them, some of these people frighten me. They frighten me. When, when you have mainline candidates that turn around and say that there's nothing off the table with respect to Iran, that's code for using nukes, nuclear devices. I've got to tell you, I'm president of the United States. There will be no preemptive wars with nuclear devices. To my mind, it's immoral, and it's been immoral for the last 50 years as part of American foreign policy. Let's use a little moderator discretion here. Senator Gravel, that's a weighty charge. Who on this stage exactly tonight uh, 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 worries you uh, so much? Well, I would say the top-tier ones top two ones. They've made statements. Oh, Joe, I'll include you too. You have a certain arrogance. You want to you wanna tell the Iraqis how to run their country. I've got to tell you, we should just plain get out. Just plain get out. It's their country. They're asking us to leave, and we insist on staying there. And why not get out? What harm is it going to do? Oh, the, you hear the statement, well, my God, the soldiers will have died in vain. The entire deaths of Vietnam died in vain. And they're dying in vain right this very second. And you know what's worse than a soldier dying in vain is more soldiers dying in vain.
0: Tomas, Jerry, like, what are your memories of uh, Mike Gravel? Like, what what were your impressions from from him from sort of, you know, following his career?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I was obviously uh, not alive uh, when he read the Pentagon Papers uh, into the record, but you know, I've I've read a lot about that uh, in my. Uh, formative political years, um, obviously, I remember him, I, you know, I started getting, like, politically aware right around, you know, 2006, uh, when I was, like, a high schooler, you know, around, like, you know, the, like, the Bush era, you know, like, war crimes and just, you know, political malpractices, um, and I just remember him, you know, from, like, his runs uh, for the presidency, Obviously, in in, uh, in the 2020 uh, election, you know, he kind of exploded into, like, Zoomer popular conscience because of, like, the, the, the Gravel teens. Um, yeah. And did you all see, I think Katie Halper um, tweeted this, but she tweeted, like, a screenshot of, like, a New York Times article where they basically were like, oh, Mike Gravel, uh, who read the Pentagon Papers into, like, the congressional record or whatever and was an attendant a notorious attention seeker oh, like I, I was just like this is so disgusting this
0: was from this was from an obit this was from the times obit yeah, yeah I, I believe so. Yeah, I, I, oh was
3: Washington Washington Post was similar. Yeah, um, yeah that's solo where, class. You know, was, that's ridiculous. He was a he was a gadfly senator, um, whereas uh, Rush Limbaugh was a cultural phenomenon. So, um, <laughs> so it tells you where their heads are. That's at. disgusting.
0: I mean, yeah, Mike Gravel was, I think, one of the few people who was probably when he left office. Probably the same on the left, at least one of the few people who was the same guy as when he got into office and didn't allow the system to change him that much. I mean, that was always my impression of him.
2: He also has an incredible campaign ad where he just like stares at the camera for like a minute and then just throws up like a boulder into a lake.
0: Yeah, like a huge boulder (laughs) for. (laughs) Was there ever any explanation of like what that was about? I just I remember loving the ad. It was a 2008 ad, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I don't know. I, I honestly never looked it up, but I'm sure we can like look it up after this. I'm sure it's something, some sort of, it's like avant-garde politics. It's incredible. Yeah,
0: I wish that that would make a comeback, <laughs> avant-garde politics, just people with like swords and stuff like that. And, you know, um, Roman architecture. Wait, no, that's the wrong direction. We don't want that. Uh, Jerry, I don't know. What did you think about, um, did, was Microbell much of an impression on you as like a sort of young leftist?
3: When I well, I mean, I didn't really well like many young people. I had a, you know definitely a road to where you know I am today politically. Um, for me, it was uh, Katrina um, was the moment where I really started paying attention to like news items. Like you know, I was living in my aunt's house um, during a pretty rough time uh, with my family, um, and she was a Fox News watcher, and all she had on was you know five was Fox, and the coverage was constantly Katrina. Mm-hmm. And then, if they ever cut away from that, it was a, a car bombs gone off in Baghdad, thirty civilians and four American soldiers dead. And it was just that's those two stories over and over. I just remember thinking, like, feeling like I was living in like a sci-fi movie. Like I was a teenager, you know. This was kind of I was like, I better start paying attention to things. So, like, 2008 was my first presidential election that I paid attention to. I remember Mike Revelle, um harping constantly on uh, the like we need to stop the U.S. from going to war with Iran. And everyone kept trying to correct him, like, you mean Iraq? And he was like, no, I mean the U.S. need cannot be allowed to go to war with Iran. And everyone think, including myself, thinking, alright, this guy seems a little cranky and I think it's only now that I'm older um, where you can look back on that and see, like, he he understood what the motives and the drive of US, like the U.S. imperialist project was going to be, which is it would never just stop at Iraq. It was going to Always, to, you know, go next to Iran, or as we saw, you know, recently, with, you know, with the elections, uh, with the OAS in Bolivia, to try to get the lithium. basically wherever you can get natural resources by overthrowing a government, you do yeah. so. So I, I definitely give him props for being willing to be made into a fool and being made to seem crazy by speaking truth to power. Um, so. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: It, it's funny because Dave, I was texting with you earlier today and I was, um, while I was working, I kind of had on my other screen, I was watching, did you guys ever see this old documentary? This, this is like before you guys' time. It's before our time too, honestly. Um, it was like a 2001 documentary by, um, John Ronson. Uh, it was a series that was in the BBC called the, Re- the, um, the real people who rule the world. And the title is like kind of intentionally corny like that because it's a study in 2001, pre nine 11, of um, conspiracy theorists in that moment, right? It's like frozen in amber and I I found it really fascinating because the positioning was, oh, look at this crazy conspiracy theory who's saying that New York financiers are actually secretly, uh, you know, uh, secretly running sex cabals and stuff like that. And it's like all this stuff that we end up finding out is kind of partially true, but then it's also dipped with horrible anti-Semitism and racism. and, And it's just like, there is these nuggets of things that seemed so crazy in 2001 when people would say them. And then today, and I couldn't help but think of Gravel where it was like so many things where where he was, like you said, where, when he commented about like, oh, our country is going to try to get us to go to a uh, fight in Iran next. And a lot of people, especially liberals, were like, that's crazy. Nobody wants that. We're in the middle of a failed war with Iraq. And what's happened? They've been trying to like manufacture consent. For conflict with iran ever since then and have proxy wars ever since then so um from that really great topic that is uh incredibly sad to another horrible topic uh i when we when i first when we first sort of talked about having this show together i was hoping that it wouldn't be Well, I didn't think it would be in the shadow of the tragedy that people are probably going to be wondering why we're not talking about. So let's talk about it. Obviously here in Miami, uh, the Champlain Towers and Surfside collapsed about four days ago. Um, First things first, you can help at www.supportsurfside.org. You can go there and donate uh, to to help out. Um, There's still over 150 people missing. I think a lot of people are starting to presume that most of those are going to end up being um, fatalities from from this um this tragedy. Uh an engineer report it's come out from 2018 cited major errors. People are sort of anecdotally already talking about like problems with, you know, this this right on the beach uh this this these towers that were right on the beach and similar problems with other towers. Um I don't know the first thing that jumped in my head is like how much we in Miami love deregulation and just kind of making it easy to develop and make some money really quick these towers were built back in the 70s and it's still sort of coming out how much um how much grease was used to get the local politicians to sign off on you know a sketchy build out i think a lot of that's going to come out but uh thomas i know you were talking about this on twitter earlier today what are your impressions and what are your thoughts um about the on uh, regarding this tragedy
2: so I just want to preface by saying that I am not an architect nor an engineer. So this Got is it. solely my uneducated opinion uh, that I am still going to uh, give. Uh, so first, um, I'll, I'll start out by saying that, you know, uh, I think what most uh, developers will fall back on ultimately is Florida, you know, South Florida is under uh, uh, under our soil, there's a a very sturdy, uh, huge layer of limestone, right? That's why we can have a subway in Florida, but that's why we can also build these high-rises and blah, 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 right? But, you know, on top of that limestone, there's Wait, hang on
0: a sec. I got to, really quick, I got to call my buddy Elon and let him know um, I just <laughs> found something out. Hey, man, this shit's not gonna work. <laughs> Sorry, yeah,
4: <he's>, go ahead. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's,
2: he's he's gonna figure out, He's gonna figure out the limestone. Don't worry. <laughs> but, yeah. So there, there's like you know six <laughs> to ten feet of like soil on top of that limestone, right? And if you look at like Surfside, it, it is probably you know it, it is the narrowest point of like you know like the Miami Beach strip right. from both sides. So you're seeing a lot of like you know, salt water like, um, you know, intrusion into that, into that layer of soil, you know, obviously sea level rise, you're seeing a lot of uh, construction, there was construction happening a- a- adjacent to that building. Uh, you know, zoning is a huge issue in Miami-Dade County, you know, our, our water uh, and sewage um, infrastructure was built, like, decades and decades ago for buildings that were, you know, closer to like the five to 10 story range. And now we're yeah. seeing these high rises that are like 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 stories being built. Uh, that's why uh, Miami-Dade uh, floods more than sea level rise. It's actually the fact that like we're building buildings connected to a, a water and sewage uh, a network that can't hold that much level of infrastructure. And lastly, I'll say that, you know, most buildings, especially in um, the coastal areas, the waterfront properties in Miami-Dade, are all sinking slowly into the ground at a rate of a few millimeters per year. Like, that's mm-hmm. a fact. Yeah. It, you know, and that's, like, that's troublesome, but it is, it is when they sink centimeters per year that does happen. That's when you start um, getting real cause for concern, right? So, you, you have a uh, a a city that's insanely corrupt. You know, you have these 40-year inspections. Once these inspections happen, there's no follow-up or enforcement mechanism to get, you know, or, or like the enforcement the enforcement, you know, mechanism is not implemented to get people to act on it. And there's a peculiar structure in Miami Dade that I also want to point out that it involves, you know, a building, a high-rise condo building and you, you I'm sure you've y'all you, you seen this the top, the the, the the first floor of the building, the, the, the lobby, it is yeah. elevated, right? Because the first, the the, the the ground is created into a parking lot and the actual building is sustained by columns, right? That like basically elevate the building so people can park. This uh, high rise that collapsed had a, a similar structure. And now we're seeing that it, apparently one of the central columns in uh, the pool area Gave way, and that was right. like the point of collapse for the building. So you know, I'm not saying that these structures are, you know, like, um, uh, structurally like that they're compromised. all compromised. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But you know, these are structures that are like a little bit more flimsy than your average. Just you know, like structurally, like you know, like the first floor is just solid, right? So if, if one of those columns gives way, the whole building comes down. So I think it's a story, like you said, of deregulation uh, and corruption and just lack of, of upkeep and uh, and overdevelopment in a city that's being ravaged by uh, climate change.
0: Yeah, Jerry, where, where were you and what were you thinking when, when this story kind of popped? Because I think it, it might have taken a little while for the breadth of it to like really trickle out there that this was a huge tragedy. Cause at first it was like, Oh three, you're, Oh no, it was just one casualty at first before they identified all the missing people before yeah. they got the, the pictures kind of made the rounds and you could see the scope of this. Uh, h- how did you receive it?
3: Um, so I, you know, I got it, um, like most people who don't live in Florida, I got it, you know, through national news services. Um, I have a coworker actually, you know, I won't, use his name but he worked as a journalist um during after the timothy mcveigh bombing um and he said you know what no one's going to be able to capture on camera um in terms of the human toll um obviously you have the visuals and it looks horrible and it look you can see in pictures what loss of life looks like but no one's gonna be able to tell you what it smells like when all those bodies are still decaying underneath all that rubble and the the real like the real loss of human life you're not going to get the full impact by just hearing you know sad stories from you know a, a comfortable news anchor um as more details came out that there were warnings uh i think as early as 2018 i want to say that the structure underneath the building was not sound um i think there was uh a um uh, geographer at FIU, um, who had had made a filing uh, with a journal, I can pull up the details, but as early as 2018, you know, saying, it's going to be a $9 million fix um, in order to get this right. My mind immediately went to four years ago with the Grenfell fire of, all right, well, people's lives are at risk, but- that's going to cost money right. and I, I want money. So as long as housing is a commodity or as long as people in public housing in Grenfell in, the case, in that case are paying rent, then, you know, I'll take my chances. Um, I, it, my mind also went to um, the COVID response the lieutenant governor of Texas gave where uh, at the height of COVID he's saying, Um, listen, I think I speak on behalf of all senior citizens when I say that we're, we're willing to throw ourselves on, you know, into the fires for Moloch in order to keep, you know, FUD Ruckers open and the Dow propped up above 30,000, what have you. Like this willingness to discard human life, um, if it means either making money or keeping your money, that is central to the social order we're living in. Um, I also thought back to 10 years ago, um, when the Obamacare debates were raging, I have a conservative friend who had sent me some videos from Milton Friedman, who I guess he had just discovered. Um, and he was having a debate with this teenager about like, um, car safety that like, I guess Ford Motors had, you know, um, not properly followed regulations on cars and it would have cost a bunch of money to get them properly retrofitted to go. And Milton Friedman, clever as he is, basically said, so, um, how much money, like, basically do you think a life is worth, basically? Because what you're asking is a mathematical question. Mm-hmm. I think it's high time that defenders of the neoliberal order that we're living in get asked the inverse question, which is how many lives is a dollar worth? Because that's the reality of the the order that we're living in uh, today. Yeah,
0: I mean, Thomas touched on it a second ago when he was talking about just, like, how money can move things along in miami like miami is is a very i mean to say that we're developer friendly is really understating it and when you look at like
3: developer owned i would say
0: developer owned yeah i mean like everybody who <laughs> represents us represents us is like owned by developers it's it's yeah. it's it's like the number one it's the coolest shit as far as they're concerned and i i can't help but think that like yeah you've got those bigger buildings along like south beach the 40 50 story towers and they're only about 20, 25 years old. And then you look at like something that's 40 years old and it's starting to feel the effects and starting to demonstrate the effects. People are already taking videos and posting on social all through Surfside, Ball Harbor, all these adjoining neighborhoods and, and, and municipalities of like, hey, this is my, um, my, my condo tower. Looks pretty fucking bad. It was built in 1968 or something like that should I be worried? And it's like, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe, yeah, again, I'm not, I'm just like Thomas. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not an architect, but like I, I am worried about that stuff because there is a point where, yeah, maybe the brand new 10 15 year old buildings aren't uh, in, in as much jeopardy, but obviously there is something to be worried about. Dave, did that like, did from, from the perspective of somebody completely removed on the other side of the country, like, did the, did the story sort of start to take hold and get your attention were other people paying attention to this when did it become national news
1: I saw it on Twitter that that's the main thing like I, I saw a lot of people talking about it on Twitter so that that was the main thing I don't know if it's on like national news news but certainly in in those kind of circles um, and yeah I, I just as soon as I saw it like I just kept thinking about didn't they used to say Mandalay Bay had like a bad structure? underneath you know, it but same i thing, mean, yeah
0: mandalay bay and also that it's cursed Remember, yeah. or no that was the luxor that's that cursed was the Luxor, and, yeah. yeah where people kept committing suicide <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean vegas is gonna have to deal with the same thing vegas it, not exactly the same thing obviously it's got like a different set of problems it's built on a different unsound you know uh ge- geographical area but it's gonna you know it has that caliche that constantly moves and can't be penetrated so you can't really make deep um you can't make deep roots or deep foundations in Vegas because the it's like you need diamond tip drills basically to break through. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a tragedy, man. It's it's horrible. In like, I think one of the like most mentally difficult things to do. Obviously, not discounting all these people who like lost people that they love and and whatnot. But that number is just going to keep going up, like slowly, and it's just going to be one of those things that just drains on you because it's going to take i think so long to to find out what the real scope of of um of human loss is it's terrible It's a little bit of this is going to be a little bit of a curveball and i want to i want to see what you guys think of this i'm going to read a few paragraphs from the most recent one of the more recent bloomberg opinion pieces called believe in capitalism then don't work on weekends if your Labor's free you devalue yourself there's a better route to career success for young people and this is by sarah green carmichael at uh, bloomberg opinion which uh she's an editor over there so um the tweeter who posted this comment, and she links a post to the comment uh, that... I'm going to get into the commenter in a moment, into the actual person who was posting this on Twitter uh, in a moment. But the tweeter who posted this comment on a recent Friday night clearly knew what was coming. Quote, unpopular opinion. The best thing young people can do early in their careers is to work on the weekends. End quote. She wasn't talking about the kind of jobs that often require weekend shifts as well as night work. She was talking about the kind of professional jobs where people who only work Monday to Friday 9 to 5 are seen as slackers. And in a sense, she was not wrong. It was an unpopular opinion. Her claim spawned thousands of satirical and scathing responses. I had a satirical and scathing, hopefully scathing response. Uh, A few, however, voiced support. Those defending weekend work argued that young people have little to offer besides elbow grease. Their technical skills aren't yet developed, their networks are small, and the science suggests that their emotional intelligence lags that of their older colleagues. Their energy and hustle is what they've got to offer. So I don't know. That's the lead-in for this story. Jerry, what do you what do you think about um the concept that if you're young, you don't have anything to offer except your time and you better be ready to work weekends. That's just like the the, the status quo for anybody who's coming into the workforce.
3: It's it's very it's very much just of that. Social and economic milieu though like I remember when I would be jazzed to work weekends And that was when I was a union worker at a janitor like as a janitor in the public schools I would get paid <laughs> six hours for four hours if that four oh, hours yeah. of work I would get paid for my time I would f- I would feel great doing weekend work when I was paid overtime. So uh, You know if you're saying working for free undermines the uh, the economic system a the, the your bosses would disagree with you um, that free labor undermines the system very much juices the system and b yeah. if you want a solution to that you could just pay your workers to work on the weekend you could bring back overtime and i'd say this problem is what language can i get away with here david and Dave? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can our our language is completely uh yeah we we are we are we, we proudly sport a big fat E under explicit. So okay. I mean, yeah. You know, it's a, call it, it whatever the fuck you want.
3: Problem fucking solved as far as I see it. Like, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I just, I also just want to add that like work is overrated. Uh, work sucks. I don't want to fucking work straight mm-hmm. up. I want to do things that I enjoy doing. Yeah. Uh, and like, fuck off. Like, you're a fucking <laughs> like op writer in like fucking like, like, what is it? Bloomberg opinion. Bloomberg and- opinion. <laughs> and you're gonna fucking tell people to work on the weekend like get the fuck out of here you write like garbage for a living like what the fuck do you know about work like
0: fuck yeah out because first people like this what working on the weekend is like pre-covid oh i'm gonna you know check out what's happening on twitter on a saturday at my local and then, starbucks and then
2: give my unsolicited opinion about it yeah on like bloomberg opinion and then like no one is gonna read it unless it's like really, really stupid and gets ratioed. And yeah, the only the way
0: your only path to success and notoriety is through absolute incompetence and and yeah. just mockery. Yeah,
1: yeah, I agree a hundred percent with all three of you, and maybe even more so. But well, here it fucking comes. Here it comes. I, I, yeah, <laughs> do, do you feel like every single human being over the age of like fifty? is the exact opposite of what yes, we're saying. Yes, absolutely.
0: And and they all yes. were fucking born with like a, a low interest mortgage and, you know, a, a, <laughs> a job that would support themselves and their families in a way that none of yeah. us would ever enjoy. Yeah. So, they, they
2: they they benefited from like the remnant of like New Deal policies. Yeah. And then like they were like they like dismantled it for like their children.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. They yeah, took everything all, apart. Fuck you boomers. You guys are awful.
3: <laughs> I will say this, be- also, this also undercuts that narrative that millennials are lazy and, you know, just want to sit with their $8 coffees and, you know, play among us with their friends and don't want to do anything hard. They're, you're literally writing about should, should young people work for free? It's an open yeah. question. So, which the premise of that is that young people work for free. So,
1: <laughs> well, I mean, our,
0: our, the Supreme Court recently just issued that, like, if you're working for, you know, Nestle in a foreign country, oh, yeah. Then, yeah, it's yeah. perfectly fine for you to be working for free. There's another five letter word that we used to use for that, but I don't remember, it, you know, it's been so long since we abolished it. Um, yeah. uh, I, I, I forget exactly what we used to call that, but
3: one of those amendments. back,
0: back to the, back to the article, there's a question of what work. Uh, one is doing as an early twenties worker, when one is working weekends, this is terrible writing dog shit writing. Uh, And like you say, she's probably like earning like 300 grand um, living in New York and writing for Bloomberg in many cubicle filled offices, entry level jobs simply don't provide enough responsibility to justify it. Anyone who that, Oh my, this tells me that this, that she has never worked in an entry level cubicle filled office because the all of those places run on just the, the 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 grinding meat of people under 30. Like all of those places, if it wasn't for these long hours of the worthless work that she's intimating up, that, that young people bring to the table, like the actual grist, the shit doesn't actually get done in those offices without, yeah. without those people. Yeah.
2: But I actually wanted to speak about that because you know that the, the author does have a point in which like they're saying it's just that their their ultimate analysis from that is incorrect and dog shit. Because, yes, it, a, a lot of these like professional managerial like office jobs are like worthless work that doesn't amount to anything. And a lot of like your office time is just spent, you know, like pretending to do stuff or just doing yeah, it's bullshit posturing. It's all posturing that you, you could totally just do from home. Right. So like right. remote work. You know, should be like an option at least at a, at a lot of these places. You know what I mean? But like, there's also like, you know, like like our um our economy is, is so like divided, right? Like there is like the larger U.S. economy, which is like a service economy, right? Like we don't really have a, like a strong manufacturing economy in the United States anymore. We yeah. have a service economy, right, of people who are engaged in hospitality and like retail,
4: food, yeah. retail.
2: Yeah. And then you have a much smaller section of people who work in, like, you know, what they call the professional managerial class, right? Like fucking, like, nonprofits and LLC and startups. You know what I mean? And, like, like the economy is dependent on, A, like, the service jobs, but also giving, like, a lot of these, like, professionals, and I include myself in this, right, like, bullshit work to do. You know what I mean to keep like the cash flow going, you know what I mean? So like it it's just like it's just insane that somebody can like make that point and not realize that like hey, you know like you're you're still like you 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 kind of acknowledge and like realize like the house of cards that it is like the US economy, but like your ultimate like takeaway from that is like let's keep people locked up in their like stupid as offices. And let's have them work on the weekends for free, adding to the misery and, like, worthlessness, you know, that they feel every single day by their, like, unfulfilling, unproductive jobs. It's just, like, so, I don't know, just depressing that somebody can, like, take take, take that away from that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I feel like one of the greatest modern scams, and and Jerry touched on it a second ago, that we ever kind of just accepted as a country was when – at some point, some brilliant marketer or HR person came up with this idea that like, ooh, non-exempt positions, that's the position you want. You want to be non-exempt because you want to, You, you, want, if you're getting a salary, an annual salary, you're like a real professional. You're a professional. You're not just working a job. You're in a career. And from their perspective, paying you a salary is just a way to make sure you don't get overtime. And it's like, oh, I went from making 15 bucks an hour to getting uh, $34,000 a year. And it's like, congratulations, asshole. You just doubled your work. You're going to be working 80 hours a week for $35,000 a year. Uh, I That's totally cool. agree. Um, one thing I want to point out is that the person who originated, uh, who, whose tweet sort of spawned this Bloomberg piece, uh, is a young woman by the name of Jordan Kong, who's a principal at something called Join at- Atomic, which is a venture capital fund based out of where else the bay area but look at her profile guys and see where she is right now where she's where she's tagged herself she is sf and miami yes this is one of the many people who work in the quote-unquote tech industry that don't actually do any technology but have been like the big cheerleaders uh about miami and trying to get like tech to miami and then like you kind of look at a lot of who they are either they they don't work in tech they never work in tech they always either work in finance like she does or they're like bitcoin guys and i'm a i'm a a community outreach
2: specialist in a new uh tech startup in miami we're developing an app called brunch finder where you can find (laughs) brunches and and rate them and yeah i just i handle community relationship for that
0: Yeah, and you're going to get, you know, you're going to get a $25 million round of funding (laughs) and just get bought up by Google. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, Francis Suarez is giving out uh, uh, Bitcoin grants.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's going to give you, like, all the Bitcoin that you can carry, which, you know, the joke is you can't carry any of it because it doesn't fucking exist. Um, Uh, I don't know. Jerry, was this stuff popping off before you moved uh, 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 back up uh, to New York, or was it like... uh, had that not happened yet, have you followed the, the you know, this purported tech revolution that's happening in Miami that's about as um, solid as like a, a building foundation in Miami-Dade County?
3: Sure. I mean, um, it's hard not to. Yeah. I mean, like it makes national news. Um, it, I mean, it's basically just like a continuation of, uh, I, I don't know if everyone remembers Richard Florida um, from back in the 2000s with his like yes. creative class thesis um yeah this is just like how do you make gentrification cool and it's like all right let's get you know tech companies and let's get you know we'll get the hip you know shabby bars and we'll get you know all the accoutrement bike lanes we'll get all the accoutrements of what like not actual creative people like people who actually make things would do but like creative with a capital c and then the tm next to it let's get those people because this is honestly my thesis and maybe i'll be proven wrong but Someone had a um, a tweet um, where basically the uh, it's it feels cruel to be on the left in this moment because we imagine a better future, but that's all we do is imagine it and try to theorize about it in the abstract. Whereas these tech fucks have the actual resources to actually transform society into whatever they would like it to be. They have like they they can command resources of like a small yeah. country like by GDP. Um, no, yeah, I saw, I saw a lot of the, uh, you know, the embarrassments, um, about, you know, Francis Flores and, um, I don't know. It, what's interesting is, like, Flor like, Richard Florida has revised his thesis post Thomas Piketty, um, to, like, account for, like, the effect, like, the inequal effects of, like, this mass gentrification project would be. And it's like, oh, you need to have investment in affordable housing and mass transit and, you know, like good, like uh, invest really in living conditions. And I guarantee you any meeting that Francis Suarez took with Jack Abraham was not centered on affordable housing or mass investments in public transit that would at least, like, you know, residually benefit people who live in the city. Um, I'm very nervous that the reason they see Wynwood as um, a great place to plant a flag is the opportunity to expand South into Overtown and North into little Haiti and further displace, you know, people who are already getting displaced. So it'll be, I mean, this tech up is really like accelerant on an already raging fire in that area. I would say.
0: Yeah. O- Overtown. I think I've never heard of that. I think you mean West Brickle? Are you talking about West Brickle?
3: Oh, uh, because... we, we, we buy. I'm sorry. Did yeah. I, am I
0: out of date? <laughs> <laughs>
3: did anybody catch when they
0: i love i love like getting deep into like regional stuff that only like south florida people know but like did anybody catch a like about a year and a half ago when they tried to make kendall become west end and they did not catch it didn't catch on but we're gonna see a lot of that dave we're talking about gentrification you don't know shit about that because there's there's no gentry in las vegas so i don't think you have to worry about gentrification (laughs) um but I wonder though if it's and I'd written in our notes is this likely an overblown phenomenon, and the thing that I'd linked to uh, in our notes was like um, it alluded to this study of of forwarding addresses that is uh, I guess a really good precursor of like where are people moving right like what kind of po- post you know it's it's good data to understand where people are going, and the the data that they talk about. Shows that, yeah, there's a slight attrition from California and specifically the Bay Area, but those people are mostly moving like all over the place. There isn't really any evidence that South Florida is drawing any more or less people per capita than, you know, anywhere else in the country is from California, from these tech workers. And I think that's perfect. I think that manufacturing a narrative and just kind of talking it into existence, it, like within the absence of any evidence of it happening is just like... Perfect Francis Suarez, perfect city of Miami, perfect South Florida, uh, sort of approach. I don't know. Like, I, I, what do you guys think?
3: At a minimum, it's going to be a massive windfall to property developers. If you no. get, if you get, if you get paid, like to redevelop a building into like Spotify HQ, 2 like you, you, that's fine for you. I mean, even if none of this materializes, or you know, any like it's basically just you know a um, a mirage, like a glass castle um even if it's all fake it's still like we said like it's going to be a massive windfall to the people who are going to be churning the land and the dirt uh anyway so even if it's all fake it's a massive windfall to the people who already run most state like you know all, most state legislatures i would say
2: yeah and two points here is one this is about francis swartz's re-election campaign which is next no. year so he's just and
0: ambitions and ambitions in the future
2: yeah. He's just stocking up his like fucking like donation coffers, you know, and like you know getting just good or bad publicity, but you know just getting a lot a lot of money, um, and B, like you know like real estate in Florida in South Florida particularly actually, it's just like a giant money laundering like like device, enterprise, yeah, yeah, enterprise, yeah, it's just a place where like you know like rich like Qataris and like rich Saudis and, like, rich, like, Venezuelans, you know, and, like, whatever. All these people from, like, rich, you know, Latin American countries. Like, they come, you know, for rich folks from China. They come here and they buy, you know, these, like, high-rise, like, condo buildings. Uh, I mean, apartments. And, like, that's where they, like, have their assets in. You know what I mean? And, in fact, I used to work construction. And um back in when I was undocumented, when I was, you know, 2009, 2010, 2011... And I remember I worked at the Mint Building in um, I believe it was the Mint in in, in downtown uh, Miami, and there was at the time uh, a big controversy in the you know the HLA because um, you know half the building was or less. Uh, was unpopulated because right. people would you know these like rich people you know from like all these like for, for foreign countries they buy the buildings they store their money are there it's just a safe
0: their... deposit box yeah, basically yeah
2: and they don't they don't ever show up so they were building you know these people like bought these like apartments right at high you know at a high uh a uh, rate promising you know like a front like water view right whatever And then they built another high-rise in front of it. So all these people that lived in the building were like, well, what the fuck? Like, we were told that we were going to have, you know, like a waterfront view. And now they're building this other building in front of us. But, like, they couldn't get enough people in the HOA, you know, to participate or organize, you know, like a significant number of the building. Not that they could have stopped the other development. I don't know. But, like... All the people that like actually, you know, like, you know, like the people from China or Qatar or whatever, like they don't give a shit if they build another high rise in front of it. They're just like, I don't care. I'm just like putting like some of my assets in here in this building, you know, in case shit goes down or like I get like raided, you know, by like the financial like service, you know, regulatory services in my country, whatever. I have some money saved up here uh, or, or stored in this building here. But my point is like gentrification and like overdevelopment will come for you. Because ultimately, you know, even like these, like, you know, rich people in Miami that are like kind of like in the middle tier of like the, the, the interest, you know, the special interest scale in the city, like you are like small potatoes, you know, compared to like who actually are like who holds the levers of power in the city. And that's like what Gerald is talking about. It's like the developers, the ultra wealthy, right? Like these are the people that hold the lever, le- le- levers of power
0: uh, in the city. Yeah. it's it, it's like it, there's never that like the gravity of the gravity of the power of development in this town like you literally need Disney to break it otherwise that's the only power greater in in, in, in on a state level because I think back about like when I was um when I was a reporter at the Miami Herald the last few years that the herald had this big beautiful building that was like it wasn't beautiful actually it looked like shit but it was cool it had personality and it looked out over um the biscayne bay my my little cube speaking of cubicles and stuff was like where i would like write out of like thousands of words of just like boring copy uh like looked out over this incredible vista i could see all the way past miami beach and i think about How they, you know, they being McClatchy, the company, uh, you know, the the owners of the Miami Herald sold that building and the land, the incredibly valuable land on it, to um, a Malaysian uh, uh, casino gaming group. And that group wanted to build a resort on that land and have have gaming. And Disney defeated that. And that was literally the only time that I can think of. And maybe you guys have other examples, but it's the only time I can think of where development was quashed or was slowed down or was held back or was prevented from happening or something where there was a design and that design didn't end up happening Um, or at least people didn't end up getting paid and taking the money for it i can't think of any other time it took literally the power of disney because disney is such a you know overarching uh, omniscient power in this state to stop gaming because they oppose every gaming Or back then, at least, they opposed every gaming or gambling um, initiative because it would take away from their bottom line. And it just seems like, yeah, you talk about those people in those buildings. Fuck, man, where do you think you are if you think that you're going to try to get people to not build a building in in Florida or in South Florida? Of course they're going to build the fucking building. Just look out. Like you say, it's coming for you. Look out your window. In 10 years, there's going to be something in front of your window that's going to be a result of overdevelopment, bad planning, like slapped together, you know fucking s- slap chop bullshit uh, buildings and that's like what defines us basically is our willingness to just build dude, fucking anything. Dude, an- another
2: story when, you know the Magic City Studios development in Little Haiti, right? This like yeah. fucking massive like se- like 28 block like high rise that spans several blocks in like, in like Little Haiti you know, it's gonna raise property values impact traffic, whatever so just, you know, just a, a monstrous, you know, like development. And during um, the the commission um, hearings around zoning, I was there with, uh, you know, anti-gentrification, anti, uh, you know, pro-affordable housing groups. And I remember the, the they were talking with the zoning board and the developers said something that was such nonsense. They were talking, you know, uh, the, obviously the residents and these pro-housing groups brought up the impact to traffic, right? They were like, you know, there's already high traffic, you know, um, in this area, you know, like where are you going to put all these cars, you know, the, where are they going to park, you know, like what's, you know, what's going to be the impact to like the arteries, you know, that connect traffic there, like what's going to what's going to be the impact to like, you know, residents that have lived in the area. You know what the developer said? Well. You know, the, the the people who we are targeting, to, which is so revealing just in their answer, but it's also so nonsensical. The people who we are targeting to live in this development are young professionals that are prone to using public transportation and work remotely. This was in like 2018. So yeah. they, we don't actually uh, uh, um, uh, have, we don't actually expect them to uh, impact traffic too much because they won't drive, and yeah. and we don't. And then the question was like, well, what about the parking? You know, you don't have enough parking spots to accommodate the residents. And they were like, well, we don't actually have to like accommodate like all the the parking, you know, that would you know technically be needed because we don't expect a lot of these residents to uh, drive. Which is like insane i'm like what
4: the fuck? Like, miami famous
0: for know? its public transportation yeah, yeah, exactly. and, and...
2: Point, point a but how how do you come to like a city of miami commission zoning meeting you know with the zoning commission and say something so incredibly insanely stupid and then you still get approved
3: yeah i i gotta That's be good. honest like you know Even just hearing like they are prone to taking public transportation. I remember when I moved down to Miami, the first thing they told me was, I hope you liked the public transportation in New York because we don't have it here. And just like they just told (laughs) me I should just take Ubers and Lyfts. They're like that. Like just do that. So even that like prone to public transportation is like those people are going to be calling – ubers and lifts and what have you and getting you know ride shares for an already over exploited sector of the economy which are people who have to do that job for a living
0: so and you're creating jobs by doing it it's great you're creating the worst jobs ever
3: as long as the uber drivers don't work weekends for free i think it's a fair deal all around
0: So look, with our last few minutes, I want to jump in, and um, I prepared a little game for you guys. I haven't shared any of this with you. Uh, the three of you, Dave, Thomas, Jerry, you guys are going to be contestants, right. and we're going to play a little game that's called um, that's called Republican or just a Florida Democrat. And so for,
2: for a second, I thought we we're like in like the middle of like a Saw movie.
4: <laughs> We're going She's to like like to <laughs> <like. laughs> it.
0: <too hard>, <laughs> like. Jerry, look behind you. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> um uh, <It's> so... <laughs> I uh I prepared six questions. <laughs> We're gonna Go do ahead. two rounds. I'm gonna hit up each of you one t- uh two times. Um I'm gonna read descriptions of some Florida politicos. I've scrubbed the names or identifying features. You guys have to guess. If it's a Republican or just a, Florida, a regular old Florida Democrat, and the joke being that many of them are indistinguishable from each other, um, oh and uh, and you will get bonus points if you can actually name this individual. So here's an example, an easy one. Feel free to jump in and just answer. Uh, this is just an example; does not count for points. This sad sack former governor, with a well-known surname, was a favorite early on in his part in his party's presidential primary, but what started as a camp a promising campaign. Ended with low single-digit turnout and a whimpering plea to please clap. Oh, dad! Yeah, that's Jeff, that's, 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 right. that's dad. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so Jerry, we're starting with you. Oh, okay. Okay, so this is our first one. Is everybody ready to play? Dave, are you ready to play? I just I'm, have I'm, to
3: get. I just have to, I don't have to guess the name. I just have to guess which party.
0: You can guess the name okay. for uh, for bonus points.
3: Okay. But
0: what we're looking for here is whether it is a Republican or just a Florida Democrat. Okay. As recently as 2018, this statewide elected official was donating to far-right GOP names and causes, including Adam Putnam. Many are hopeful she can become the state's first female governor. Others are less certain. Jerry, GOP or just a Florida Democrat?
3: I'm gonna guess. Uh, I'm gonna guess it's Nikki Freed.
0: Ding ding ding! You got I mean, it. That's I don't right. Know. Yeah, okay. and just a Florida Democrat. <laughs> Thomas, this one's kid. yours. This next <laughs> entrant represents Florida's 7th district in the State House and will be running for the 11th congressional district in 2022. Controversial figure, he has advocated through proposed legislation to ban red light cameras, which I'm on board with. I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, Enshrine term limits on school board seats, make it a felony for doctors to provide hormone therapy for transgender minors. He might be best known for blocking any of anybody on twitter who posts pictures of him when he was in college wearing blackface and lamentably he was born and raised in my hometown smithtown new york so my apologies thomas gop or just the florida democrat well you said s- state house he's in the state house right now i will go with gop good playing the percentages smart move do you know the name for bonus points is it Sabatini? Yeah, ding, 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 you got it. Okay. Anthony Sabatini, okay. who is yeah. going to be running, who may very well wow. be the next congressman for uh, Florida's 11th congressional district. And- might
2: um, fucking be our next fucking governor after DeSantis <laughs> if you know fucking <laughs> Democrats <laughs> don't shape up and scary.
0: Dave, you're up next. Uh, our next contestant is actually a frequent right. stalking horse for this show, a former congressperson of mine, uh, in my congressional district, who was instrumental in gutting the Department of Health and Human Services when she ran that agency. Later as president of the University of Miami, she took her zeal for destruction uh, uh, to, to, to task by breaking organized labor efforts at the school, paving over 88 acres of endangered Pine Rockland habitat that at the time was unique in exchange for a paltry $22 million, again, favoring developers. Perhaps her worst offense during her time in office was not answering that, our call that time that we tried to prank phone call her. And uh, she never called us back either, which is like a real dick move. Um, Dave, GOP or just a Florida Democrat?
1: I'm gonna go with Florida Democrat. Uh,
0: and do you remember the name? Come on, we've that, said this name a thousand gonna, times to, on this fucking show. I know, you can pass, I know.
1: pass to Thomas. I know, uh, yeah, I was gonna say, I'm gonna phone a friend, one of you guys, Thomas, go ahead. It's Donna Shalala.
0: Donna Shalala, ding, 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 that's right. Back to Jerry. Our next subject comes from the QAnon Miami Beach chapter. Okay, not technically, but if there was such a thing, he'd be right at home. He's an elected commissioner who has advocated for virtually every fringe COVID conspiracy since the start of quarantine. He's anti-mask, anti-vax, anti-lockdown, broadly disbelieving of all data and information that comes from WHO, CDC, and other sources, unless they anecdotally confirm his prior beliefs. He might be best known for challenging friend of the show, Billy Corbin, to fistfights on social media. He's actually done that a few times with also random constituents uh, from around Florida. He's so fringe that his party, his own party, has disavowed him. Jerry, are we talking about a Republican or just a Florida Democrat?
3: We're talking about a Republican, but my God, what a resume in just a year and a half. Um, I can't, uh, I, I, I don't know the person. I'm sorry, I'm not as, as clued in locally.
0: Um, Thomas. Thomas. Eh, I be, I'm giving you an ant, eh, Jerry, because you were wrong. He is it's, not a Republican. I know who he, it is. Yeah, Thomas, go ahead. You, you have to be talking
2: about Miami Beach Commissioner Ricky Ariola. Who is Ricky Ariola?
0: <laughs> big Ricky. That's right. That uh, Ricky Ariola, he, he of the uh, the COVID conspiracy, the guy who shared Wait. the um, pandemic video, who uh, <laughs> was a big advocate for just every ima- every, like the worst things that you could imagine over the last 16 months. Have been filtered through his YouTube channel, or I'm sorry, through his Twitter, his Twitter feed, with him saying things like "Hmm, something to consider," and then like like a, a link to a link to like the Plandemic scam Scamdemic documentary or whatever. This loves- would
3: this would be like ten years ago, like a Republican being like, "I don't know, I think Sharia law is cool. I don't see what." <laughs> <laughs>
2: about about ISIL, you do in fact have to hand it to them. <laughs> you do, in fact, under yeah. some circumstances.
3: Yeah. It sounds like it. he's going to hand it to Billy Corbin as soon as he gets it. Too.
2: Yeah, uh,
0: I, I, I thought. I mean, I'm an old man now. I, I don't fight anymore. But it would be funny to fight another old man. And he's got to be like way older than me. So, like, I it, he's like in shape though. Yeah, no, but, but I'm like head I'm head. like six two. I'm an enormous man. I'm like three hundred pounds. <laughs> That's I'll probably true, just but, have but right he's a very I'm scary like, guy. I'm
2: like guys. 5'11 and like 155 pounds, so like... You could take him, I think. You could probably fuck me up, dude.
0: He seems like one of those older guys who does like um, triathlons. He's like one of yeah. those guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like a
2: young guy that like just like po- post a lot, so...
0: You got poster strength.
2: Poster <laughs> strength is real. <laughs> my thumbs are like... <laughs> my thumbs are strong, that's for
0: sure. So Tomas, you're the front runner right now, but this next one is a little bit tricky. This is a longtime standard-bearer as a senator in the, in the Sunshine State. He used his position on the most powerful governing body in the world to advocate for repealing estate and death taxes, sanctions against Cuba and Venezuela, and in one of his final acts before losing re-election, voted in favor of maintaining U.S. support for the Saudi Arabia-led genocide in Yemen. His final run for office was so famously low effort, his campaign didn't bother to host a Spanish-language website, running for office in Florida. In fucking Florida, he didn't have okay. a Spanish website. Thomas, is this guy a Republican or just a Florida Democrat?
2: Florida Democrat, and I'm guessing it's Bill Nelson.
0: That's right, Bill Nelson.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> did, 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 did all of you know about that thing about him not having a, um, a Spanish language website oh, yeah. for the 2018 campaign? Oh, yeah. Campaign? yeah. Oh, oh, my yeah.
1: God. Unbelievable. It, I think you brought that up on the show back when that first happened. Yeah,
0: Dave, this is our last one. I really don't want you to fuck this one up. Okay. Okay. And I know I saved it for you. It's perfect because you're sort of not very politically engaged. You're more about the movies. You're more about TV. You're 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 of of all of us. I would think you're probably maybe Jerry too, but you're probably, you're probably the least online of all of us. And you're also the least Florida centric. You have like no Florida bona fides. So this one's for you. This individual has never held elected office. Some would call him a radical activist. Others would call him a hero who's gained national attention for important issues by confronting our governor, Ron DeSantis, at various public appearances and press conferences, loudly taking him and his administration to task over their various incompetent and corrupt actions. He's been so successful at doing this, he's found himself on DeSantis' official enemies list, which let's be honest, is a pretty fucking cool place to be. Dave, who is it? And are they Republican or just a Florida Democrat?
1: I'm going to go with Republican
0: on oh, this. Oh, okay. I don't, know, I don't know who it is, though. I'm not sure. Thomas, do you know who this is? Jerry, actually, Jerry, do you know who this is?
3: Uh, no. I know.
0: <laughs> Thomas, who am I talking about? Is it me? Yes.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> the, Sorry, Thomas. Those of us who, who know Thomas uh, best, like if we've ever seen him personally in, in, in real life, we know that he's the guy lately with a mask on at the DeSantis uh, press conferences. Um, letting his opinion and how about half of Florida's opinion about Desantis's performance be known loudly uh, and of course I don't know like what uh, let me not tell the story man what happened last time you tried to do it uh, with the you know that led to the, the the public records request and the lawsuit that you're currently engaged in
2: yeah first of all I, I do want to clarify that I am a reluctant Democrat I'm yeah. only a DNC member just to basically be like what you guys are all doing is fucked up. And yeah,
0: to be the guy. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Not everybody. I mean, yeah, you know, there's just good people in there, but overall. Not 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 a, a winning strategy that the Florida Democrats have deployed the last, you know, 20, 20 so yeah. years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, I obviously hate Ron DeSantis. I think he sucks. I think he's uh you know horrible for the state. You know, he's constantly just scapegoating. Uh, you know, like vulnerable populations, whether it's immigrants, LGBTQ, trans, Muslim people. Uh, he's totally beholden to special interests. You know, he's given hundreds of millions of dollars in corporate giveaways, tax breaks. You know, to like the largest corporations. He just raised taxes on Florida. Uh, on Floridians by one billion dollars. You know, while giving large businesses, you know, uh, a tax break. I mean, the guy's fucking nuts. Um, and yeah, been you know like protesting him. I, I did a, a confrontation at one of his press conferences last year that went really, really viral. And I went to one of his um, press events at the Port of Miami. Um, when I got at the Port of Miami, I was um, de- detained uh, without ever attempting to enter uh, the press conference. I basically like parked my car and like they like literally were there waiting for me. And they detained me for about half an hour, uh, took my information Uh, Then they trespassed me from the Port of Miami, a a public place that's funded by the taxpayers without giving me a reason. And, you know, working with with Grant Stern, uh, we basically got public records that showed that FDLE, Florida Department of Law Enforcement, was sharing uh, my information um, with Miami-Dade County police. And they had basically like labeled me a known agitator and shared my vehicle information. And they had basically were like, watch out for this guy who's a disruptor. And, you know, without me ever attempting to go inside the press conference, they basically did, like, fucking minority report on me. And we're like, this guy's going to annoy the governor in in the future and we're going to detain him without reason and remove him from this public area of Miami because he might be annoying to the governor in the future. So, you know, we've just been, like, um, you know, uh, trying to expose, you know, these sort of authoritarian tactics. We uncovered that he also has, like, a list of like activists that he uses at his events to vet who can or who can't go in and we're trying to get that list to basically see uh who's in it and if they merit being on a list like that right uh, or like if a list is- like
0: that should even exist that's like a that's a very like orwellian thing to say exactly. that, that that even exists exactly mm-hmm. absolutely uh, no
2: you're 100 percent correct so we want to uh, get this list and another thing about the port of miami incident that's worth noting is that you know florida has some of the uh, most, um, uh, broad, open government laws in the country. It's called Sunshine Law. And basically a part of that is that, um, a, you know, like you can request, uh, public records of any government official, but also, um, there's, there's a lot of like openness around government meetings and that this Port of Miami press conference that I went to was basically, uh, where they were announcing a lawsuit against the CDC for the vaccine passports in, in cruise ships. And the attorney general of the state was also there with DeSantis and Sunshine Law mandates that a cabinet meeting between two or more of the um, executive branch of the state of Florida uh, has to be open to the public.
0: Yeah. Or have and minutes that are like, yeah, exactly. That can be observed.
2: Yeah. And, you know, that was a meeting again between the attorney general and the Florida governor. Um, so that's, you know, that's another thing that we think they're violating, you know, by basically having this list where they exclude, you know, members of the press that they don't like activists that they don't like from these like meetings, you know, it's just like, it's just, um, it's just insane the way that the government, the governor has been operating. And I'll finish by saying, you know, just recently, he signed a major piece of piece of legislation uh, that stripped away uh, a bunch of, you know, voting uh, uh, rights provisions in the state. And he signed it in in at a campaign event where he basically excluded any press from attending that wasn't Fox and Friends. Right. Like they basically like locked him out, and were like all no, media you're
0: not was people. locked out of that that event. And um, also, I think like almost all people of color, if I remember the 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 press shot from the from inside, it was like a uh, and not surprisingly, you talked about the vulnerable communities that he goes after. That legislation will impact people in communities of color and lower income communities who can't comply with a lot of the overly strict and basically what amounts to like poll taxes um and 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 poll testing to 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 be able to vote and participate and it's not a fucking accident it's on purpose yeah
2: absolutely and they follow that by signing a bill you know that basically bans uh trans kids from playing sports you know in like public schools just it's just and they did it in like a uh, 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 you know a, a Christian academy you know surrounded yeah. by you know like little girls and stuff it's just like sick and disgusting honestly yeah
0: the Desantis doctrine has been all that this big tech censorship bill that he that of his that's in in court right now and getting uh, apparently just today it got ripped apart by a judge um outlawing certain portions of history through you know the banning of critical race theory teaching um like you know surveying students and faculty for their political beliefs at public universities um yeah it's yeah, say, the saying, saying is that, sick. saying that
2: universities that you know quote unquote indoctrinate students are at risk of losing state funding like what does that even mean you know what i mean it's no. just it's just fucking disgusting and it's a shame that Florida Democrats can't get their shit together to stop this man uh, from being re-elected. I mean, I hope we do, but let's see. But, you know, this guy's obviously going to run for president in 2024. Right. That's
0: pretty terrifying. It's going to be cool for you to have a president who's your enemy. That's going to be interesting I, for you.
2: <laughs> I'll have some nice footage, you know, but like I, 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 I'd I, rather not. <laughs>
0: I'd rather it not be the case. Yeah. Right. All right. Let's wrap it up, guys. Um, remind the folks one more time uh, where, you know, for, for those of you, if you're a um, Bird Road listener and you're listening to this and you want to uh, hear more from uh, Jerry and Thomas, where, where can they find you one more time?
2: You can find us at Red Tide Radio on SoundCloud, Red Tide Radio on YouTube, at Red Tide Radio uh, on Twitter. Um, and, yeah, you can follow us uh, on social media as well.
0: And Dave's got one foot out the door about to go to a movie. Um, but before you do that, Dave, where where can people find Bird Road? If you're a Right Tide listener, listen to us Bird. too.
1: Bird, Bird Road. It's on Twitter at Bird Road Podcast and, of course, on all the
0: – Hell, yeah, man. But some people say that we should be worried about having more – Miami based leftist podcast I say the more the merrier we should have as many as we fucking can
4: yeah. and, and then, uh, then we can all
2: feud with each other we, we should feud when we gotta come up with a really feud? funny yeah. thing
0: to feud about that'll yeah. make people I have no problem Let's with people it. hating my guts so I'll take I'm the I'm gonna up- for
3: this. the next time we do this I'm gonna put my bookshelf uh, in the background of me and have <laughs> my fans say that your bookshelf is a disgrace and then uh, <laughs> that, that'll be where we kick it off <laughs>